Romans chapter 13, beginning in verse 1. I have two points this morning. Point number one is entitled, The Public Life. And this is in order for us to help kind of bisect this portion of Scripture that we're going to be looking at. And it's point number one, The Public Life. Romans 13, verse 1, it says, Let every soul be subject to the governing authorities. For there is no authority except from God, and the authorities that exist are appointed by God. So as a Christian, as a supernatural man, the supernatural woman, what I mean by that is you're filled with the Holy Spirit. You are born again. You are made alive. You are following Jesus. And so as such, you are to be subject to authority. Don't be rebellious. Some people today have real problems with authority. They just generally speaking, they have problems with authority, with someone telling them what to do. It's not to be that way as a Christian. It's not to be that way as a follower of Jesus. To, to be under authority as a Christian means that you're to be an example of what a good employee looks like. You're to be an example of what a good son or a daughter looks like. We live in a country, I think, today, and we probably could all agree, where there's a breakdown of this very thing. With this very thing. What if I have a bad boss? What if you're here this morning, and let's just call it as it is. You do not like your boss. You have a bad boss, and you are very vocal about it. You've had to watch what you post on Facebook and Twitter because now jobs and organizations monitor employees' posts and things, and you don't want to get fired, but that doesn't change the fact that you just don't like him. I mean, he's real unpleasant sort of a guy, and he's just a mean guy. You know, I... I Maybe you're here and you're thinking, you know, I came here to be uplifted and now I'm thinking of my boss. I don't understand how that works. Maybe you're at a job where you're like, I just don't want to do what he's asking me to do. I, I, don't, I don't really care. I, I just don't want to do it. Maybe you, you have that type of dyna- dynamic with, with your employer that, uh, you know, someone had with Sir Winston Churchill. Many believe it was uh, Margaret Thatcher where it's reported that she said this, and I quote to Winston Churchill, if you were my husband, I would put poison in your coffee. To which Churchill replied, Madam, if you were my wife, I would drink it. End of quote. <laughs> See, as a follower of Jesus... As a follower of Jesus, you're transformed. You're a new man. You're a new creation in Christ. The old things have passed away. You've become new. See, being a good employee is a good testimony to your bad boss. Being a good employee is something that you have the power to choose to be or to not be because you have no control over how your employer treats you. You can't control someone else's actions, but you can control your own. I know so often we think that we're justified with what we do because of what somebody else did, right? Well, they did this to me, so I'm justified in doing that to them. I mean, we start doing that when we're little kids. I grew up with two little brothers and a little sister. And it was always, well, he did this, and so that's why I did that. And we thought that, well, if I did this wrong thing, it was justified because they did it first. But listen, as you as a follower of Jesus, work hard. Show up on time. Do a good job. Give it your best. You're displaying the power of Jesus to your boss and to your co-workers. You are. 
Because if you do have an unpleasant superior, then probably a lot of people feel the same way. And it's very easy to get in your huddle and start talking about, yeah, that guy in front and all this kind of thing. But the person that's transformed, the supernatural woman or man, should be different from the rest of the employees. You know, it's a terrible thing when, you know, people will not hire Christians to do work because they think Christians are flakes and Christians do poor work and all of that kind of thing. We are blowing our witness. When we're not subject to the authority. In Colossians 3.23, the Bible tells us that whatever you do, do it heartily as to the Lord and not to men. Now, can I get an amen that that's hard sometimes? Like, amen, brother, preach it. Well, the thing is, is that it is hard. Because when we're working in an environment where it's not nice and it's rather uncomfortable and I don't really get along with the guy that's telling me what to do, we want to kick back. The flesh wants to, to rebel against that, to you know, be disrespectful, be rebellious, you know, get in those snide remarks. You know what? And I always would preface, every time I got upset about something, my preface to what I was about to say was this exact phrase. You know what? I've had it. You know what? I'm not doing what he says, right? He's crazy. This is so ridiculous how he's power tripping and all this kind of stuff. I've had it. Listen, the Lord has placed you under that authority for a reason and for a season. The Lord has placed you under that authority for a reason and a season. So do your best. Do your best. In the sports world, depending on whether you're running on a court or on a field, they say leave it all on the field or leave it all on the court. When you work as an employee, leave it all at the job. Give it your best and it's a good representation of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Do what you have control over to do. Don't cut the corners. Don't take the easy ways out. And listen, we've all done those things. And obviously, nature looks for the path of least resistance. And we do as human beings, being a part of that natural world that we live in. But for the supernatural man or a woman, it should be different. You should be the example. In Romans, as you remember, 12 verse 18, it says, If it is possible, as much as depends on you, let me have all of your attention real quick. As much as it depends on you, live peaceably with all men. He doesn't say as much as it depends on them, live peaceably. He says as much as it depends, as it depends on you. Whatever you can do, however you can make it work, you do that. So respect authority. Honor the person that's in charge. Don't speak down to the person in authority. It's a bad example of the follower of Jesus. Now, for you that are younger, that have an older boss, and you might think, this guy's so old, he's out of touch, he doesn't know what he's doing, there's so many better ways to do this, this is inefficient, whatever. Now listen, if there is a forum for that kind of discussion where suggestions can be made, and you can speak in a respectful way, then by all means, go for it. But regardless of the case, he should be addressed respectfully as a father. Respectfully. Now, maybe you're older here and you have a younger boss and that just really bothers you. This guy was in diapers when I was working at this company. And now he's my boss. And so maybe you patronize him or you're condescending to him and you call him, you know, names that refer to how young he is. 
Don't see a younger boss or somebody in authority as a way that you can push your agenda. Don't take advantage of that situation. Because it says in verse 2, continuing on in Romans 13, Therefore, whoever resists the authority resists the ordinance of God. And those who resist will bring judgment on themselves. So if you're not a good employee, if you're not a good citizen, you are directly resisting God's directive to you and, I hate to break it to you, you will be judged. And it will be all your fault. All your fault. All your fault. We don't want to see Christians doing things that will cause them to be condemned, fired, looked down upon, cause the name of Jesus to be ridiculed. So any of us as an employee will not be judged for being a bad boss, but for being a bad employee. Because that's who we are. We're responsible for ourselves. And if you're not obeying the laws of the land, you're not being a good citizen of that community and even having our own. And we like to brag about this a little bit in a you know, godly way, I guess you could say. Our own Adriel Garcia is in the Irvine Police Department. And he tells me how rude people are to the police officers in this city. And the terrible way that they're treated. And he wasn't playing his violin. It was just one of those, you know, passing comments of how, you know, people are disrespectful and the type of things they say to them and and demean them and belittle them. And that better not be any of you here today. Hey, want an extra donut? Oh, trumped up security guards, huh? And start calling you Paul Blart. Or whatever it might be. And these things that people say to the authority that's in our city, those that risk their lives and commit their crazy schedules of you know, working around the clock to make sure that we're safe, they're worthy of our respect and our honor. See, as Christians, we need to be conscious of the fact that we're to be bettering our society, not being detrimental to it. Right? You would think, well, if I'm a follower of Jesus, then I should be bettering my community. That I I should actually be raising the level. I I hope that all of us, I hope you here today, are thinking, how do I raise the standard? How do I just see that this woman is is carrying all of these groceries and she's stuck with her her, uh, little baby Bjorn thing with a newborn here and she's carrying all these and no one will let her through the door and everybody's pushing their carts in front of her. How do I make a pass so that she can walk by? Or I see this over here, I see that over there and they're disrespectful and they're not being polite. And it doesn't mean that you're going around and you're like the the polite manners police or whatever and like, sorry, you didn't say thank you ticket here you go may the fleas of a thousand no i'm just kidding but it's one of those things where we need to see how we raise society as the church not lower it and as we honor those that are over us we are honoring the lord and we are displaying that we are men and women of these two things honor and character honor and character i mean have you ever heard somebody refer to somebody as that is an honorable man 
Or have you heard somebody say, that was, the, that was an honorable act? I mean, we don't really talk like that anymore. And I think it's because we don't see a lot of honorable things happening anymore. And it's almost become just cool to be, you know, kind of just mingle, whatever, don't, you know, cause any ripples in the, in the pool, don't ruffle anybody's feathers, don't really stand for anything, you know, don't be a man, don't be a woman, just be whatever. And you no, know, the thing is, is that it's honorable to the Lord when you're honoring those that are in authority. It shows that we have honor and it shows that we have character. If we're disrespectful to authority, it's saying more about us than them. Because we can have superiors, and we'll talk about government leaders in just a moment, but we can have people that are over us that may not be doing the right thing. But our actions tell more about us than them. Because we're responsible for ourselves. It doesn't matter what they do. It matters what we do. And so if your boss asks you to do something, do it without complaining. Do it without a bad attitude. Hey, can you go over and pick that up? Fine. Hey, can you hand this to me? There you go, man. I mean, what is that about? You pick it up. Here you go. Thank you. You're welcome. And if inside, if inside you're like, oh, I just hated that right now. Oh, that's the flesh. Wanting you to be a jerk. Wanting you to be disrespectful and to dishonor that person. In order for us to represent Jesus, I mean, we think, oh, if I'm in a, in a, in a place where it's just like tiptoe through the tulips and every day I'm floating on the clouds and it's the best job in the whole world and I never have a bad day, yeah, then I'll be nice to people. But, but how are you different than anybody that's not a supernatural man or a woman, someone that's not filled with the Holy Spirit? Because people that aren't filled with the Holy Spirit can be nice to people when they're nice to them. But see, the supernatural man is really also a supernatural citizen in the community in which he lives. So do it unto the Lord because that's what you're responsible for, yourself. I would say be an overachiever. Oh no, no, you can't succeed too much because that causes, no, do a good job. Do the hard work well and we need to understand our place by not thinking of ourselves higher than we ought to think. Be the person that does the hard jobs really good. Be the guy that's like, hey, I'm there. You lead by example. In Philippians 2, 14 through 15, Paul wrote to the church in Philippi and he said, do all things without complaining and disputing that you may become blameless and harmless children of God without fault in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation among whom you shine as lights in the world. By submitting to authority, you are shining as a light in this world you're being like christ remember what matthew 5 16 says jesus said let your light so shine before men that they see your good works and they glorify your father in heaven so the way that you live as a christian regardless of your circle of influence it should bring glory to god it says verse three for rulers are not a terror to good works but to evil do you want to be unafraid of authority do what is good, and you will have praise from the same. Do you know how stressful it is doing something that's illegal? Now, I thought some of you here this morning might know exactly how that is. <laughs> doing all that illegal stuff, hanging the air freshener from your rearview mirror as you drive through the state of New Jersey. It's illegal. 
even read this as well, that uh, driving through Paramount, California, and you decide to honk your horn after 9 p.m. at the sandwich shop, you know that I heard that it's illegal to honk your horn on your vehicle at any place that serves cold drinks and sandwiches after 9 p.m.? I mean, I was like, are you serious? I mean, just picture this. What are you guys going to do tonight, gangster? (laughs) Horn honking. What you going to do? What you going to do when they come for you? Bad boys. Honk, honk. Like, are you kidding me? Rulers are not a terror of good works, but to evil. Evil. You have nothing to be afraid of when you are doing the right thing. It says, do what is good. Look at that in verse 3. It's right at the end, second to last uh, part of that last sentence. There says, do what is good and you will have praise from the same. How is that for a concept if Christians did what was good? Do what's good. What's the good thing? What's the right thing? We're finding that there are fewer and fewer people that do the good thing. And that word in the Greek language for good is actually a word that can be used to describe something that's distinguished from something, or even could just be called distinguished. Do something that is distinguished. And if you're living in an evil world, the supernatural man should be distinguished in his lifestyle, and might we even add his citizenry. You want to make an impact? Do what is good. Sometimes you can be in Christian organizations. I know a lot of times in in schools this happens, in Christian schools, where the cool people are the ones that are rebelling uh, against Christianity. You know, the ones that want to do the bad stuff in the school are the cool kids. Hey, do what is good. He doesn't say do what is easy. He doesn't say do what is popular. Do what is right and you will have no problems with the authorities. In verse 4, it says, For he is God's minister to you for good. But if you do evil, be afraid. Man, I never thought the Bible would ever say, be afraid. He says, if you do what's evil, then be afraid. For he does not bear the sword in vain. For he is God's minister, an avenger to execute wrath on him who practices evil. The authority that's been set up is God's ministry to you for good. I mean, I've been to countries around the world where there is no authority. We're talking about school systems. We're talking about traffic lights. We're talking about infrastructures of, uh, of communities where it's just free for all. And it's a terrible place to live. See, providing organization, providing safety, providing education, providing job opportunities, providing nice places to live. Now, There are some today that are pacifists and there are some that believe that it is unbiblical to be in the military and it's unbiblical to exact punishment on people and they will really, really give people that are in our armed services, armed forces, a very hard time. And there are people that in particular will condemn those that are in the Marines or they're in the Navy or they're in the Air Force or they're in the Army or they're in the Reserves. And I believe that that is a huge mistake. A huge mistake. And those men and those women that over the years that I've counseled regarding whether or not they can be a Christian and still get bad guys. Verse 4 here is the answer. To anybody 
that wants to question whether or not you can be a Christian and still get the bad guys. For if you do what is evil, you should be very afraid for God's servants, God's ministers. And that word for minister in verse 4 is one who executes the commands of another. God will use the authorities. He will use the military to, to execute wrath on those that are practicing evil. It says, well, they say, well, what if you have to shoot somebody? What if somebody gets killed? What if you kill somebody that's bad? And all this kind of stuff. And obviously, war, killing, violence, those things are last resorts. Those are not something that you want to walk into lightly. That's not something that you want to take lightly either. It says he does not bear the sword in vain, and that was a weapon. And biblically speaking, though it's not the, prefer- the preferred method, getting the bad guys are approved. It's approved by the Lord. It is. So, if you've wondered about that, if you're like, how do you reconcile all of this? If you are doing what is right, there is nothing to be afraid of. If you're doing what is evil, watch out. Watch out. And we do believe that the Lord will use His ministers that bear not the sword in vain to get those guys that are practicing evil. We support our armed forces. We support our troops. We support our police department. We're glad that there are guys out there and women out there that are putting their lives in between us and those that are doing evil. We're thankful for them We support them and we honor them. Which leads us to point number two. So we had the public life, which was point number one. Now let's look at the private life as we finish verses five, six, and seven. It says, Therefore, you must be subject not only because of the wrath, but also for conscience' sake. So yeah, you subject yourself to the authorities because if you go speeding and they tell you to pull over, you're going to be in a lot of trouble if you don't pull over. The last thing I want to see is someone uh, from this church out on the 405 freeway on the news bolting down the freeway as helicopters. And I, have you ever wondered how people think they're going to outrun the police? Like how, I mean, the cameras, the satellite imagery. I mean, how, where are you going to go? I mean, this might have worked back in the Wild West. You got on your horse and ride for days, but it doesn't work today. But the last thing, what I was saying is that I want to see any of you in a high-speed pursuit with a Vision City Church sticker on the back of your car. <laughs> so don't do that, please. But he says, even if you don't get caught, because obviously there's the, you do something wrong, there are consequences to that. But he says, for conscience sake. What about the follower of Jesus living in a community who doesn't get caught doing something that's wrong? He says, for conscience sake. Because remember, we have not only God-given commandments, we have God-given consciences. You might not get caught, but how you live as a Christian before the Lord is important even when nobody finds out about it. How do we live before the Lord when we're doing things that are illegal? Because our own thoughts condemn us, even if we haven't stepped before a judge. Because ultimately, the Lord, the all-powerful judge, We'll stand before Him, and we want to stand before the Lord with a clear conscience. Ah, man. You know, I come home, it's 12.30 in the morning, and I just run every red light on Portola heading to the toll road. Not me personally, come on. 
But, but like, like, no, I, 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 I do all of these. Well, nobody sees and nobody's around. I mean, how do we do that? I mean, I see it all the time. I'll be driving, I'll be stopped, and nobody's coming, and there's the red light. And you know there's that little thought in your head like, hey, why don't you just go? You're kind of in a hurry to get home. Nobody's even on the road. And then you see somebody just go and turn left on the red, and you're like, those dirty guys. <laughs> they just did the same thing you were thinking about doing. You know, so... What if nobody finds out? What if nobody catches us? He says, not, don't live your life just because you don't want to get caught and face the consequences, but also for conscience sake. A clear conscience before the Lord is an important thing for us to look at today. The reason being, I think, is that in our own country, the United States is getting worse and worse, and we're calling good evil and we're calling evil good. So I think this begs the question, so what happens if our governing authorities are telling us to go against God's word and ultimately against God? What's the Christian to do in that situation when now it is legislated for you to do something that is evil before the Lord? See, Paul wrote this letter to the Romans when Nero, crazy, insane, light Rome on fire, Nero, the one that, uh, I don't think we have any younger kids in here, but basically would dip Christians in tar and make human candles out of them. The guy was a perverted, insane man, and he was ruling over the Roman Empire. Paul is writing to Christians that were living in that society. See, they would have to profess that Nero was God or they'd be put to death. And many Christians through church history were martyred because they would not profess that Nero was God because they believed that there was only one God and he sent his only son, Jesus. And in the book of Acts, the religious leaders told Peter and John that they could no longer speak in the name of Jesus. They said, you need to be quiet. I do not want to hear you guys saying anything else in the name of Jesus. Don't talk about His Word. Don't use His name. You are to be silenced. Absolutely silenced. That's like our country today. You can talk in any other name. You can blaspheme any other thing. But you say the name of Jesus. You say anything from the Word of God. You are to be silenced as well. But in Acts 4, 19-20, says, but Peter and John answered and said to them, whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you more than to God, you judge, for we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. This goes back to conscience sake, that we need to live with a clear conscience before God that we know in our hearts that we're doing what's right and that we're not doing what's wrong. Because there may come a time, God forbid, in our own country where we can get in trouble for doing what's right. Now, in verse 5, is this a call to civil disobedience? We should never see Christians riding in the streets, burning cars, looting stores, and the kind of stuff we saw happen back in Baltimore. That's not a Christian's place. Is this a call for civil disobedience? Absolutely not. However, there are rare occasions, and hopefully remain rare, where we as Christians must fall back on the law of God, knowing that it supersedes the law of man. 
It may be called evil or hateful to be a Christian in our country. There may be threats of imprisonment for teaching certain parts of the Bible. You're going to get arrested. You read that portion of the Scripture, that's considered a hate crime. You preach that portion of the Bible, you will be imprisoned. So stop teaching those things or you will be arrested and you will be tried and you will be punished. I'd just like to say one thing on that. Please don't forget to visit me. You can write me letters too. To disobey anti-God laws will not be looked upon as evil in the sight of the Lord. This we need to understand. In Acts 5.29, Peter said and the other apostles answered with him, we ought to obey God rather than men. And as the apostles did, so must we listen to God over the voices of man. But being a Christian, as my pastor Chuck, who is home with the Lord, put it, and he says this, and I quote, being a Christian does not give me an immunity from the law for the powers that be are ordained by God, end of quote. Being a Christian doesn't mean that I have this immunity to the laws of the land and the authority that I'm to be subject to. Sorry, man, I serve a heavenly king. Hey, you're not my boss, God's my boss. I'm not listening to you, I listen to God as your boss says, can you make a couple of those photocopies, please? I listen to God and he told me, don't make those photocopies. (laughs) So does God ordain all governments? You're like, well, all authority is set up by God. Then why would God allow evil men or women to reign? Well, the unfortunate truth is that evil people will want evil people to rule over them, and those that are evil will lead their country to judgment before God. And we see this especially in the democratic system. If evil people are going to vote... They're going to vote for people that represent themselves. And if our country is evil, then we're going to elect leaders that are evil because it represents our desires. It represents who we are. That's why as Christians, we need to pray for our leaders. We pray for our leaders we we ask that the Lord would would be with our, our mayor. Stephen Choi, we pray for Barack Obama, the President of the United States. We pray for our presidents. We pray for those that are in charge. We pray for those bosses that we may not like. Huh. In 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 through 4, it says, Therefore, I exhort, first of all, that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings, and for all who are in authority, that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and reverence. For this is good and acceptable in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all men to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. Yes, the Lord desires to see President Obama saved. That's why we pray for him. 
That's why we ask that the Lord would have mercy and that the Lord would change his heart because we believe that prayer works. And as a godly man or a woman living in this country, we are subject to the authorities that God has raised up. Lord, help Trump get saved. Lord, help Hillary get saved. Lord, help Bernie get saved. That's why we pray for them. We don't overturn the government with the Christian coup d'etat. You know, it's like we don't, we don't do that. We don't bomb buildings and kill innocent people. We don't riot and cause devastation in our cities. We as Christians do what is good. We should strive to be model citizens and involved with what's happening in our communities. I mean, that's what our church desires to be. Because we can play church and we put up the speakers and we put up chairs and people sit here and then they leave. But what's happening in our private lives? What's happening in our conscience? What are we doing that's affecting change? And we want to affect change. We want to change for the better through faith in Jesus. In verse 6 it says, For because of this you also pay taxes. I'm out of here, man. I hate this church. What is this? It says, because of this, you also pay taxes, for they are God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. Now, you better believe that the IRS is continually (laughs) attending to this matter. In verse 6, it says, God's ministers attending continually to this very thing. The IRS is continually attending to this thing called paying taxes. Now, the IRS may take an ungodly percentage of your paycheck, But the institution of paying taxes is from the Lord. There are people that work for the government and they're worthy of their wages, as small as that may be in some cases. But paying your taxes is right. And it's the good thing to do. Paying your taxes. Yes, and may I say that again? You pay your taxes because you're a good citizen. Because you're a follower of Jesus. Because you are not like the world. You are a supernatural man or a woman. And you know the religious leaders of Jesus' day presented him with this kind of catch-22 type of question where they said in Matthew 21, or excuse me, 22, 19 through 21, basically whether or not it was lawful to pay taxes. And they thought, well, you know, the Romans, man, they tax the people terribly. And all the people of Israel hated The tax collectors, they hated the Roman government because of the taxes they had to pay. And so the religious leaders, hoping to trap Jesus, they said, basically, is it lawful to pay taxes to Caesar or not? Because they felt that if Jesus said yes, then he would lose popular opinion. He would lose the support of the public because they all hated the paying taxes. But then if he said no, and he went with what the people thought was right, then Rome would come down. Oh, you're trying to lead the people in revolt to paying taxes to Rome. And they thought that they had trapped him. But this is what Jesus said. He said to the religious leader, show me the tax money. And so they brought him a denarius. And he said to them, whose image and inscription is on, uh, on this coin? And what did he say? They said, Caesar's. And he said to them, render therefore to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and to God the things that are God's. So, verse 7, render therefore to all their due, taxes to whom taxes are due, customs to whom customs, fear to whom fear, honor to whom honor. And Romans 13, 8, 
Owe no one anything except to love one another, for he who loves one another has fulfilled the law. And that's where we will pick up next week, beginning in verse 8. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you so much for this morning. We thank you, Lord, for the opportunity to be here in this place, to study your word, and Lord, to learn more about what it means to be a good citizen, to be a good citizen in the public life and in the private life. Lord, that we would live with clear consciences before you. Lord, that we would be doing those things that are right. Even as we quote from what your word says, do what is good. And so, Lord, I pray that you would bless us this day. I ask, Lord, that you would help us to to be those men and women, to be those children, Lord, that are submitting unto our parents, Lord, honoring our father and mother. Lord, that we would be good employees, Lord, that we would work hard and that we would show up on time and that we would do things without grumbling or complaining and that we would do so all for your glory as whatever we do, we do it unto the Lord and not unto man. And we don't need to go and tell somebody, oh, we're not doing this for you, we're doing it for the Lord. But Lord, I pray that we in our hearts would be in that place of peace before you clear conscience before you, knowing that what we're doing is right. And so, Lord, I pray that you would help us to effect change in our cities. Lord, that you would help us, Lord, to be good citizens, that we would honor and respect those that are in authority over us. Lord, that we would watch how we talk about those in authority. And Lord, that we would be, Lord, men and women of grace. Lord, that we would guard our tongues, Lord, because Talking about taxes and politics and leaders and bosses, Lord, are very uh, flammable type of uh, uh, conversations to have at times. But yet, Lord, we ask that you would give us the peace which surpasses all understanding. That we'd be able to understand, Lord, also that we're there for a reason and for a season. And Lord, I ask that you would help us to be good witnesses wherever we may be at. And so, Lord, forgive us if our hearts have been wrong. Lord, if right now we're like, yeah, I could clean that up a little bit or I could do a better job with that, thank you that you've actually shown us those things. Thank you that you're not done working in our hearts and in our lives. And so may we be attentive to the move of the Holy Spirit and Lord, may we be better because of it. And Lord, we know that all of this is made possible, this change that takes place, the Holy Spirit working in us is because of Jesus. It's because of him crucified. It's because Jesus took our place on that cross and he paid the price for the sins of the world. He he paid the price for our sins. And so, Lord, today, as this is the first Sunday of the month, as we, even, Lord, are on Fourth of July weekend and we think about the Declaration of Independence and how we're independent from tyranny and Lord, may we even see how we're in dependence upon you, Lord. We depend on you. Independence from sin and independence upon you. And God, we know that you desire to do great things in our lives. You desire to do great things through our families, through our workplaces, through our neighborhoods, through our communities and our city, our state, our country. And Lord, we pray for our leaders. We lift them up to you and ask that you give them wisdom. Lord, we pray for those that we've named already, Lord, that they would come to know you personally as their Lord and Savior. And Lord, may this church represent what it means to be a good citizen. May we as Christians, just as the church 
as a whole, Lord, as we're meeting all over the world today. May we be people that improve the areas that we live in. And Lord, we want to say thank you for sending your only son to die on the cross for our sins. And we ask now, Lord, as we take of the cup and as we receive the bread, that we would do so in remembrance of what you did for us on the cross. And Lord, I ask that if there are any here today, Lord, that have walked away from you, maybe they have sin in their life, Lord, that they haven't been caught with, Lord, or caught in, but Lord, their conscience is condemning them. I pray that they would confess that sin to you, Lord, even now before they take communion. Because that forgiveness of sin is made possible by what they're about to remember through the cup and the bread. And Lord, I ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.